I want to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13, a real familiar passage of Scripture. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, or God's kind of love, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. And what I want to talk to you about is about hope and about the power of hope. You know, I don't know that this is for sure, but it says there's faith, hope, and charity. And the last one is actually the greatest is what it goes on to say. So backtracking, that means hope is the second greatest above faith. And you know, really, most people give more importance to love and to faith than they do to hope. But hope is a powerful, powerful force. And I'm going to be talking about hope and sharing some things about the power of hope that God has been speaking to me. And I believe that this is going to help you. It's been helping me. I've been meditating on these things a lot for myself. So I'm going to share this with all of us. The way I want to approach this is something has helped me in the last year or two to understand what hope is. Hope has been somewhat of a nebulous term. And, uh, you know, if you look it up in a dictionary or in the Strong's, it's talking about the anticipation of good, the confident expectation of good. And um, all of those things certainly apply. But one of the things that the Lord shared with me that has really just made this come alive to me is, and I'm going to start with this and I'll backtrack and share how I got there and then we'll go on and talk about the power of hope. But the Lord showed me that all hope is, is a positive imagination as contrasted with a negative imagination. Now there's a reason why I say that. Let me turn over here to Romans chapter 8 verse 24 and I'll start with these verses trying to make my point. But in Romans chapter 8 and in verse 24... It says, for we are saved by hope, that, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. That's a little wordy here in the King James, but you can see that he's saying we're saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. So hope is something that isn't seen. It's not present. Once it becomes present... There's no longer any hope to it. So hope is believing for something that you can't see. And there's just so many scriptures that go along with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 says, We are looking at things that can't be seen. And you know, you could look at that verse and think, Well, if it can't be seen, how, then, how are you looking at it? You can see things with your heart. And this is what I believe the, the imagination is. You know, I brought a cheat sheet up here. I don't use these very often, but I don't have dictionary definitions and Strong's concordance definitions in my heart yet. So I have to use something for them. But here's what the American Heritage Dictionary defines an imagination as. The process or power of forming a mental image of something not real or present. Second definition is creativity inventiveness, third definition is resourcefulness. And I believe that all that the imagination is, is your ability to see something not present at this exact moment. In other words, you have to see it in your heart. And uh, here's another definition. 
A lot of Christians, I believe, reject when you talk about imagination because they look at that. You know, we nearly always relegate an imagination to something that's childish. It doesn't have a lot of uh, business in an adult life. We need to deal with reality and you don't need to deal with make-believe or something like that. And so uh, here's the definition of fantasy. It means the creative imagination, second definition, a product of the imagination, illusion, a delusion or a whimsical notion or idea, conceit, a daydream, a fantasy. I think that's what most people kind of define a imagination as is a fantasy. You aren't dealing with reality or something like that. But all your imagination is, is your ability to see something with your heart that you can't see with your eyes. And you use this every single day. You can't live without an imagination. You may not have thought about this, but did you know you couldn't get home if you didn't have an imagination? Because what you do, you actually picture your house, and you picture how to get there. You know, if I was to ask you directions, how do you get back to Interstate 25? Some of you are new, and you probably would struggle to be able to get back. But you know what I'd do? I'd tell you, you get on this street right out in front, and you go down, and the road tees into the Garden of the Gods, and then you go down one, two lights. It'll be the third light. One of those lights is at a Firehouse. It's not actually a regular traffic light, but it only comes on if the uh, fire engines come out. And I'm sitting here and I'm counting these things. I haven't said this enough that I actually remember it, but you know what? I'm seeing it. I'm telling you, you go down, it's, it's either, let's see, one, two, three lights. I can see it. If you were to ask me, you know, uh, how many doors is it down here before you go down here in the restrooms? I could tell you because I can see that in my mind. I can't see it right now with my eyes. But I could tell you that you go down and I can tell you to turn right or left. It'll be the first door on your right if you're the woman. If you're the man, it's the second door. <laughs> Actually, it's the third door because there's a mechanical closet in between. See, I've never sat down and just thought about this, but I can see it. You know, all that is is an imagination. That's how you give directions. It's also, I'm going to share this in more detail. I'll turn to some scriptures. But your imagination is how you remember. You can't remember without an imagination. Like right now, if I was to ask you, how many doors do you have in your house? I bet you most of you have never sat down and counted how many doors you've got. But you could tell me. You know how you do it? You'd sit there and you'd look at your house. And you'd count how many doors you've got. If I asked you how many windows you had in your house, that's a little harder, but you know, you could sit down and you could just go around and you could count every single window in your house. You could tell me all kinds of things that you don't have facts stored up here, but you have an image. And that's how you remember things. Another scripture that I'm going to be using, and I'll go into more detail on this, but the scripture links meditation and your imagination together. You cannot meditate without imagination. And this is the reason that a lot of people don't have the Word of God have its full impact on their life is because they only read the words and they don't meditate. Meditate means that you take the words, the truth that are in Scripture, and you kick back and muse is another term that's used over in Psalms, I think, 143, and it means to roll over in your mind. 
And you have to take a truth that you've learned and just roll it over in your mind and meditate on it. And your imagination is how you do that. And if you don't ever get the word to where you can see it and you can see what it's saying, then you'll never have the word reach its full potential in your life because you have to meditate in it day and night. And that exact same word that is translated meditate is also the same word that is translated that uh, you have to um, imagine. It's the exact same word. Another thing, I'll be getting into this in more detail as we go through this week, but in uh, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, it says, The Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in him. Did you know that the word mind right there is the exact same word that was translated imagination four other times in the Old Testament? This is talking about not just having random thoughts, but you are imagining, you are taking the word of God and you are seeing God. It's in your imagination. You could quote it this way, that uh, the Lord will keep you in perfect peace when your imagination is stayed upon the Lord. And that Hebrew word, H-A-G-A, you know, I'm confused over this because I've got two or three different sources that I look up Hebrew words and Greek words in, and one of them says it's H-A-G-A-H. The other one says it's H-A-G-A. So it's one of those two. I don't know which it is. Do you know Pastor Bob? He's Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but anyway, that Hebrew word, whatever it is, thank you, Don, I appreciate you getting me back on track. That Hebrew word means a form or figuratively conception. You know what this is saying? The Lord will keep him in perfect peace when your mind, which is talking about the imagination part of your mind, the part that you conceive in. It's how you conceive something. Your imagination is like your spiritual womb. Those are some big statements that I've just made. But anyway, this is important. And I think that too few people use their imagination in a positive way. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of scriptures. Let me turn over and just look at a couple here. Look in uh, Genesis chapter, chapter 6. This is where God decided to bring the flood upon the earth. In Genesis chapter 6, and in verse 5 it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Did you know that this verse right here shows you that your imagination are thoughts? It's not just fantasies or something like this. This is how you think. You think in an imagination. I don't know if you've ever... Thought, I know some of you have heard me say this, and of course there's other people that say this same thing, but you think in pictures, you don't think in words. If I say apple, you don't see A-P-P-L-E, but what you see is an apple. And some of you might picture a red apple, some of you might picture a green apple. And you know, with words, I can refine your picture. I could say a big red apple. And everybody would start picturing the same thing. And then I could say a red apple that's ripe, it's overly ripe, and it's got a worm coming out of it. And you know what? I could, with my words, you think in pictures. And I've used this example, so if you've heard me before, I guess all of this is old hat to you. But, you know, when I was in Vietnam, they had water blivets. 
And I didn't know what a water blivet was until I was uh, drafted and sent to Vietnam. And right now, if you don't know what a water blivet is, if you've never seen one or if you've never had it explained to you, did you know most of you right now are drawing a blank? How many of you don't know what a water blivet is? That's probably the majority of you. And so you know what? Right now, you are having trouble understanding what I'm talking about because you can't picture it. And if I don't explain it, if I was just to let it go, did you know unless you went and looked it up and researched it, you would never be able to remember what a water blivet is because you can't picture it. You can't remember anything you haven't pictured. I know that this is a new way of thinking of things for some of you, but I'm telling you, this is the way you think, whether you know it or not. This is how you function. If you can't picture it, you can't remember it. You can't comprehend it. Uh, I'm going to use some other scriptures. And did you know that the word, the same word that was translated imagination is translated understanding a number of different times, New Testament and Old Testament. The same word that was translated imagination in Luke chapter 1 verse 51 is the exact same word that was translated understanding in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18 where it says that they have their understanding darkened. And so you can't understand without an imagination. You can't remember without an imagination. You can't give directions. You can't build something without an imagination. Some of you are wondering if I'm going to explain a water blivet. So here I'll use words and what words do, they paint pictures. And we uh, were out on fire support bases. We didn't have water, so they had to bring our water to them. And they brought us our water to us in 250, 500, 1,000, 1,500, and I think 2,000 gallon water blivets. And these were big uh, black rubber uh, cylinders with brass spigots on each end and they had uh, things that you'd turn. So they would fly these in on helicopters. They'd put straps on them and put them on the helicopter and they'd come in and bring them. And of course, when they were full, they were full cylinders. The uh, 1200 would be from Wendy over here. It'd be, it'd be at least the size of these first two rows right here. And it would be probably 10 or 15 feet high or something like that. I don't know. It's been a long time. And you know, this is another thing about your imagination. Over time, it degrades. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's kind of an idea. And you'd go get water and you'd fill up your drinking can and stuff. And as you used it, the atmospheric pressure would compress these things. And as you drained all of the water out, it would just be totally flat. This thing would be just flat and they'd come get it and fly it out and bring another one in. Now, you may not have a real good picture yet, but did you know what? Now you can remember it because I used words to describe it. Words paint pictures. And this is why that a person, when they minister, if you can minister with illustrations, this is why Jesus talked about sowing a seed and you see the signs of the sky, the sky and you can tell when it's going to rain and when it isn't, but you can't tell the signs of the times. He used illustrations to help people relate. A good minister will minister things in a way that paints pictures for people and they use their words to do that. Pastor Bobby Crow yesterday morning used a little graphic, just folded a piece of paper to make a ship. And the point behind that is, see, people can see that and, they'll rem and that'll help them remember what he talked about because there was some graphic that they put with it. 
This is how you think. I'm not creating anything new. I'm just explaining that this is how it works. And your imagination is how you think. It's how you meditate. It's how you understand. It's how you remember. You really can't do anything without an imagination. This is the reason that we have this old saying about a picture is worth a thousand words. Because if you're trying to build something, I'll read the instructions over here and then I'll think, man, what does this mean? And you look at, here's diagram one and you see a picture of what they're talking about and it helps those words. You understand better if you can picture what these words are talking about. You know, we're in the process of building these buildings and stuff out there and we spent over a year developing plans. And the reason that you, I mean, we, we paid a lot of money. We paid over a million dollars to get our plans developed. And you know why you do Why don't we just skip that segment? Well, it's because if you were to sit here and one person tells another person what you want and you just communicate it verbally and there's a chance for misunderstanding, but boy, when you communicate and then get it drawn out and everything is precise and you know exactly that one inch equals a foot or whatever it is and you can go measure this and you know where every outlet goes, you know where every uh, internet connection is and things like this. See, you've got it all planned out and people can see it and then they can follow those plans. That's the reason you don't build something from words only, but you make blueprints. And anyway, the Word of God... You have to take it and it has to excite your imagination. You have to get your imagination going. And Jesus, or not Jesus, but, uh, well, it was Jesus, but it was pre-incarnate. It says here that God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart. See, this is how you think in your heart. The New Testament word dianoia, I think is the way you pronounce it, but it means deep thought. That's what the word understanding is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. It's talking about deep thought, not just thoughts up here, but when you understand with your heart, when you're thinking with your heart, these thoughts of their heart, their imagination of their heart was only evil continually. And this is why God decided to bring judgment on the earth and wipe out man and animal is because of the imagination of their heart. God deals with us on a heart level. And God sees the imaginations of your heart. This is important. The reason I'm saying all of this and spending this time is because a lot of people, again, just don't think that imagination is that big of a deal. You can't do anything without it. You couldn't go home without an imagination. You can't do anything without your imagination. This is how you think. It's how you remember. It's how you do everything. And the Lord dealt with people on the imaginations of their heart. You know, here's another script. Keep your finger here because I'm going to come back. But over in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, this is where David was offering an offering for the temple. And he was speaking to his son, Solomon. And I should have had this verse written down. I think I do, but it's, i got so many pages up here, I don't know which verse it is. There's twice here in chapter 29. Let me look this up. But he told, David told Solomon twice here in these verses... Anybody see where that is? 
18 is not the one I'm looking for. That's the second one. That's where they wanted to keep it forever in the imagination. Well, I'll go ahead and use that one because that relates imagination to your uh, memory. It says, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and uh, Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee. And if you read this, he was, he was uh, overwhelmed with the offering. It was the equivalent of, I don't know, $5 billion is what all of this gold and silver would amount to. And the people just gave spontaneously. And he was so blessed. He was praying and he says, God, what have we done? All we did was give back to you what you've already given to us. We came out and we were slaves. We had nothing. You're the one that gave us all of this. All we've done is give back to you what you've blessed us with. And he was so blessed. He says, keep this forever in the thoughts of the imagination. He was talking about help them to remember it. Let, don't ever let them forget. Keep this fresh. Let them see what they've done. But there's another verse right here. All right. Well, oh, I was looking at the wrong verse. No, but anyway, it's right here. It, it could be chapter 28. I'll come across it. I'll get this to you tomorrow. But David is praying for Solomon and he says, Solomon, he says, you serve God with a perfect heart because God tries all of the imaginations of the heart and he knows. Where is it? 28, 9. I just one chapter off. And so it says, and thou Solomon, my son, know that the, that the God of thy father, know the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind for the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all of the imaginations of the thoughts. So again, God deals with you on your imagination level. So this is not optional. It's not like, well, I don't want to hear about this. And who cares about an imagination? I'm just dealing in reality. The truth is every one of us picture things. And your imagination as that word, Y-E-S-E-R, is the Hebrew word, it means conception. It's where you conceive things. If you can't see it in your imagination, then you'll never be able to see it with your eyes. You have to conceive things on the inside. You know, I've used this building as an example of this before because when we started into here, this was just a huge project for where we were at the time. It was over the top. I had a lot of people tell me that you bit off more than you could chew and things like that. Because we were coming from a 14,600 square foot building into a 110,000 square foot building. And we had to build all of this out. And you know the way I did this. We had our builders put tape down on the floor. And they put where every door was. Every time there was a door they would put tape off at an angle. And you could tell that the door was partially open. They showed where everything was. And I would come up here. And I'd stay up here after everybody had gone home at night. And I walked this building. It was, it was a half a mile one time around the inside perimeter of this building, one trip. And I would walk this and walk at least six miles, sometimes eight or nine miles a night in here, which that meant, you know, it was like 18 trips or something around this place. And I would walk and I would never step over that tape. But I'd say that here's a door and I'd walk around to where the door was and I'd walk in and I'd see myself opening the door. 
And I know some of you think that's silly, but you know what I was doing? I was helping my imagination see this place because when you looked at it, it was just a huge empty building. Matter of fact, there was a, there was a huge uh, door that slid back right there. And um, anyway, this area right here was probably the worst abused, the me most messed up part of the entire building. And we were wondering what we were going to do. And I walked around here until I saw this. And I saw this auditorium. And I walked and I actually put five-gallon uh, buckets up here and put plywood on top of them. And I stood right in this spot and I preached. And I saw you in here. I preached lots of messages in here. I preached entire messages standing right here in the dark to people. But you know what I was doing? I was dealing with my imagination. And I couldn't see it with my natural eyes, but I was forcing myself to look at things with my heart. And that's where you can see that. I was getting pregnant is what I was doing. I was receiving a seed. And you know, it got to where I had walked this thing so much, I could see it in my dreams. I could close my eyes and see it. And I could tell you about everything about this building because I use my imagination. And there's a lot of people, see, that won't do stuff like that. And they just think this is, this is not necessary. It's useless. But I had the vision so strong on the inside of me that you couldn't talk me out of it. I had seen it. And I'll tell you another thing that happened is when we first moved in here, we were having a celebration service and people were just excited because, I mean, in a very short period of time, we did all of this debt free and it was miraculous. And when we got in here, we were just praising God. And I, ha I had one person come up and say, you don't act excited. Everybody else was running and shouting and praising God. And I was just praise God. And they were saying, you don't act excited. Aren't you excited? And I said, I'm excited, but I was excited 14 months ago when I saw it on the inside. I actually, I don't know how to express this, but once you get to where you start seeing with your heart, that is more exciting to see it with your heart than it is to see it with your eyes. This was anticlimactic. And you can ask, when we moved into here, I told people, I said, I don't know how long. I thought it would be five years or six years. It turned out it's been eight years. But I said, you know, in a very short period of time, we'll be out of this place. I was already looking past this and seeing that we were going to have to have something else. And it was anticlimactic. When we moved in here, I was blessed, but I was, I was more excited months, months before because I was seeing it in my heart. And I've actually gotten to a place that living by faith and seeing things in your heart is more exciting than when you see them physically come to pass. Like right now, the building up there, did you know I'm more I was more excited the last few months before anything happened that now that you can see it, it's just like, it's a relief. Like, praise God, it is coming to pass. But you know what? I'm not as excited. I was actually more excited when we're in the planning stages and dreaming about it. I don't know if everybody's that way. Maybe it's just visionaries or I don't know. But anyway, that's the way I am. I actually have a better time I enjoy it more when I'm, I'm in the dreaming and developing stages than when you see it come to pass. Once it comes to pass, it's like, get on with that and let's go for something else. <laughs> Where's my next challenge? So anyway, I say all of these things and there's a lot more that I could use. I'm going to bring out a lot more scriptures. Uh, let's turn back here to Genesis chapter uh, 8. 
or excuse me, let's go back to um, man, there's just too many. Let's go over to chapter 11 and look at this. In Genesis chapter 11, it says in verse 5, And the Lord God, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing shall be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Boy, now this is a significant thing right here. The Lord says nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Now this shows that your imagination is your conception. It's where things are conceived. And if you can get it in your imagination, you can do it. You know, I've got some things. When I sit out in my spa, I pray... And I just look at the stars and do different things. And anyway, I won't bore you with all of the deals. But God has shown me, I think, some awesome, awesome things. I actually believe that you could levitate anything naturally, not through demonic stuff or magicians. I think that there are natural physical laws that you could take a battleship and make the thing float. Now, I can't do it, but, but I've got the concept. I've imagined it, and I, I think I could figure out how to do that. I really do. But it's just not what God's called me to do. <laughs> but I think I could do that. And I, there's logic, and I've done some research, and other people have had similar thoughts. They've never put it together the same way, but I believe it can be done. And you know what? If, if I can conceive that, if that was my goal, I believe I could make that happen. I believe anything you can imagine, you, there is a way to bring it to pass. For instance, you know, people used to imagine all of these science fiction things back 30 and 40 years ago, and now we're living in them. I was thinking this morning about a phone. How in the world did they ever start sending? I can understand maybe sending signals through a wire under the ocean to the other side, but how do you send it just through the air? Somebody had to conceive that. Somebody had to come up with this. And then they conceived all of this in their imagination. They had a dream. They had a goal. And then they did all of these things. Thomas Edison, when he invited, invented the light bulb, I forgot how many attempts he had. Thousands. Thousands. And somebody says, aren't you discouraged that you've failed 5,000 times or whatever? And he says, no, I just found 5,000 ways that don't work. <laughs> He eliminated those off of his list and he kept trying and finally came up with the light bulb and came up with the phonograph. And you know, somebody had a vision. They saw these things in their imagination before they saw it with their eyes. And it's visionaries that actually make the world go around. In a way, you have to have the people that maintain also, but I'm saying it's visionaries that advance everything that have made all of these new developments and I'm telling you that this is a powerful, powerful force. So much so that the Lord was even threatened by it and says, now nothing is going to be restrained to them that they have imagined to do. If something actually threatened God's purposes and plans for the earth, it's got to be powerful. But you know, the Lord went to the heart of things. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. God looked at their imagination and realized it was their imagination that was the real threat.
Nothing will be restrained. And their imagination was only evil continually, is what it says over in chapter 6, verse 5. So they were just conceiving all of this evil stuff. And anyway, the imagination is super, super powerful. I think more so than what any of us have understood. So here is how I arrived at hope being nothing but a positive imagination. I think there's 39 times that the word imagination, imaginations, plural, imagined, past tense, or imagineth, are used. 39 times in uh, the Old Testament. And out of those, there's only one positive mention, and that was First Chronicles 29, 18, where it says, keep this forever in the imag thoughts of the imagination of their heart. And that was the only positive use of the word imagination. Every other time it's used that their imagination was only evil continually, that he takes them in their imagination, their imaginations are... And it's just every single reference is all bad. I've got them all up here and we could just go through and read every one. But if you're familiar with scripture, every imagination, every time it uses imagination is bad. In Luke chapter 1 verse 51 is where Mary was saying, you know, my soul doth magnify the Lord and God has shown his strength and scattered the wicked in the imagination of their heart. And it's how God overthrows people is through the imagination too. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, it says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down of imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Strongholds there are talked about as, I mean, imaginations are talked about as strongholds and things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And so I was studying on all of this and seeing the power of imagination and how that we, we meditate, we remember, we understand. All of these things are with imagination. If that's true, well then why is imagination always spoken of negatively? And then I turned over to uh, Romans chapter 8. We just read those verses, but it says here, in verse 24, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. And I got to thinking on this. If you can't see it, then how do you, what is it? And it just dawned on me that this is exactly the definition of imagination. The ability to see something with your heart that you can't see with your eyes. That's what hope is. And so I really believe that all hope is is a positive imagination. It's the scriptural terminology. Every time it talks about imagination in a positive way, it uses the word hope. Imagination is used to describe the negative things, but of course we relate to what, uh, you know, what an imagination is, able to see something with your heart. And so what I want to share on this week, most of this has been just setting it up, but I'm going to talk about hope, but it helped me to, to understand that hope isn't, just, well, I'm hoping so or I'm wishing so or something. Hope is your imagination. And, and hope is being able to see something with your heart. Like Paul said, we see those, we are looking at things that cannot be seen. What's he talking about? He's seeing things with his heart. He's taking the promises of God. And through those promises, he's seeing God uh, cause him to succeed. He's seeing himself... Uh, Winning in all of these situations. And sad to say, most people, 
because they don't understand this process and they don't understand how important it is. They allow their imagination to be controlled by other things and they see themselves failing. They see themselves poor. They see themselves sick. You know, I was talking to Pastor Herbert tonight and I was showing him around. Pastor Herbert was looking and saying, oh man, this television. And you know what he was doing? It was causing his imagination to start working. And he's thinking about things and it's expanding his vision. This is what happens to me every time I get around somebody who's, who's gone someplace that I feel God wants me to go. I'll go check it out. And as I see what they have done, it helps my imagination focus and see things clearer and get a better picture of it. Everybody follow what I'm saying? And so your imagination, I believe, is what hope is all about. It's being able to see something by faith with your imagination. You take the promises of God's Word and you paint pictures on the inside. It's the exact same thing that uh, Proverbs 29 verse, um, what is it, verse 18 says about where there is no vision, the people perish. And that could be interpreted in a number of different ways. I'm aware of the other translations and stuff, but it also is talking about that if you don't have a vision, you will perish. You won't see the power of God manifest in your life. You will not overcome. But when you have a vision of something, it motivates you and it keeps you going. You know, I'm thinking of the scripture over in 2 Timothy chapter 2 where it talks about the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then it starts talking about examples of faithfulness and it uses uh, a soldier and it uses an athlete and it uses a farmer. And I just taught on this in our second year class. And one of the reasons I think that he used those examples is because an athlete, you know, they are just motivated by hope. They see themselves winning. They see themselves standing on the platform with the gold being put around their neck and their national anthem being sung. And that becomes such a goal that they will literally deny themselves. They will eat certain things. They'll get up early while it's still dark and trained. They'll stay up late while everybody else is out watching a movie or do something. And they put themselves through all of these things because they've got a goal. They see something. And once you see it, matter of fact, are you still here in Romans chapter 8? That was a question. Look at this. Romans chapter 8 in verse 25. It says, But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Did you know patience is related to your hope or to your imagination? If you can't see it clearly, if you don't have this image of whatever it is that God has called you to do or obtain, and if it is not a strong, strong goal on the inside of you, You'll give up. You'll fall by the wayside. But when you have this thing burned on the inside of you, you with patience wait on it. Your patience is linked directly to your imagination. If you can't see it and if you don't have a clear vision of it, then you will become impatient because actually what you were seeing was failure all along. You didn't really see yourself succeeding. And so you just resisted and went through the motions for a period of time. But when things don't work out, you know what? You give up and you quit. But when you see something, again, I don't have the words to describe this, but I hope that all of you are, are letting the Holy Spirit help you 
to apply this to your situation, but you can see something and it becomes so real on the inside of you that you just, you can't let go of it. You know it. I see this. I know that this is for me. You've meditated on it. The Holy Spirit confirms it and you see it. And once you see it, it causes you to be patient. It causes you to endure because you've got this vision burning on the inside of you and you cannot walk away from it. A person who can quit and give up is a person whose imagination is negative. They're seeing the negative side of it instead of the positive side of it, instead of it being hope. You can also go back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith gives substance to what is hoped for. But if there is nothing hoped for, faith doesn't have anything to produce. Faith only produces what hope has already seen. And I believe that this is the precise reason that a lot of people don't receive their healing, don't receive their prosperity, don't ever see their ministry come to pass, is because they had a goal, they wanted something, they had a desire, but they never saw it. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Some of you have heard me use this example, but this was a classic. I was listening to a, a tape by somebody else, and there was a pastor's wife that had real poor eyesight and she had glasses that were like Coke bottle, you know, bottoms of Coke bottle. And she was legally blind. And she had had lots of people pray for her and every time they prayed for her, nothing happened and she was just discouraged and she didn't want to go through it again. And they had a healing evangelist coming to her church. And so she avoided him because she, she had had people pray for her and she didn't want to go through another disappointment and she tried to avoid him. And finally, he just cornered her and he says, I want to pray for your eyes. And so she couldn't say no. And she said, okay. And he said, take your glasses off. And so he laid hands on her and prayed for her. And after he prayed, he says, now can you see? And she started to open her eyes and he yelled at her and he says, shut your eyes. And she shut her eyes wondering, what's this about? He asked me if I could see. And then he said again, now can you see? So she started to open her eyes and he said, shut your eyes. And she shut her eyes again. And she's wondering, how am I going to see if I can't open my eyes? And he said the third time, he says, now can you see? And she started to open her eyes and he says, I didn't tell you to open your eyes. Can you see yourself seeing? Can you see yourself with perfect eyesight without those glasses? And finally she understood what he was saying. So she just stopped and she started praying in tongues. And then after a while, she says, I see it. I've got it. And he said, now open your eyes. And her eyes were healed. But see, there's a lot of people that they just pray for something. But did they ever see themselves well? Did they have hope? Your faith will only give substance to what you've already hoped for. If your hope isn't strong, faith has nothing to produce. And I think a lot of people pray prematurely. You may know it's God's will for you to heal, be healed. But what have you been meditating on? Again, your imagination is associated with the thoughts of your heart. What have the thoughts of your heart been? Have you seen yourself dying? 
Have you been listening to what the doctors had to say? Have you been in your mind planning your funeral and wondering what it'll be like after I'm gone? Are those the imaginations of your heart? And then, because you know some scriptures, you pray and you say, in the name of Jesus, I'm healed. But what are you seeing? If you aren't seeing yourself healed, if you're still dealing with these negative thoughts, and if you're seeing yourself failing, then your faith can't bring it to pass. You know, here's another example. I heard uh, Charles Capps use this a long, long time ago. But Charles Capps used this story about an old hillbilly that came down out of the mountains of North Carolina. No offense, North Carolina. <laughs> Where are Derry and Karen? I know they're here. Some, there they are. But th- these old hillbillies came out of the hill and, and this guy came into a church service and he walked in and it was beginning to get hot. And he was beginning to fan himself. And about that time, an usher walks up and just turns this little dial on the wall. And I mean, within just seconds, he started feeling cold air blow on him. And he thought, this is the slickest thing I've ever seen in my life. So man, as soon as that service was over, he went up to that usher and he says, what was that? What did you do? And he asked, what do you mean? He says, you turned something on the wall. He says, oh, it's a thermostat. I just turned the thermostat down. He says, and I felt cold air. And he said, yeah. Says it'll happen every time. And he says, man, where could I get one of those? So he went to a hardware store, bought a thermostat, went home, put it on his shack. And when it started getting hot, he turned the thermostat and nothing happened. See, he didn't understand that the thermostat doesn't produce the cooling. All it does is control the power unit. The power unit only kicks on when you've turned that thermostat. And hope is to faith like that thermostat. If you don't have your thermostat set, if you don't have hope, then faith isn't motivated. But the moment you get to seeing something, I guarantee you faith will start bringing it to pass. Jamie and I went to buy a car one time. And you know, we, our car was just getting worn out and we were, we were being very unemotional about this. We weren't going to get entrapped in all of these things. We thought, you know what, let's just go look and see what's available and then we'll think about it and we'll sit down and make a decision that isn't based on emotions or anything. So we thought, well, we'll just go see what's available. So we went down to one of the car dealerships here. And we told the guy, we're just looking. We aren't going to buy, but we just want to know what's available. And here's our price range and stuff like this. And you know, this guy, these salesmen, they're slick. (laughs) They understand imagination, whether you know it or not. You know, David's told me a lot about retail. And they understand this. When you walk into a department store, they have their displays. And the way they, you know what it's all about? It's about capturing your imagination, letting you see yourself. And anyway, this salesman, he started talking to us and he didn't talk about what the warranty was. He didn't talk about the finances. He didn't talk about any of this. He says, sit in this car. Doesn't that feel good? Doesn't this smell good? He says, couldn't you see yourself in this car? I wasn't going to buy a car because of the way it smelled or the way it felt. I wanted to be able to get around. And I, I went in there using my brain. But did you know after this guy worked me over for a while... <laughs> Man, I could see myself in this new car. 
And I went home and I spent half of the night sitting down and figuring out, oh man, if we did this and this, could I do this? And I was working with everything I was worth trying to figure out how I could come up with that car. You know why? Because somebody painted a picture. And this is what they do. They'll have you get in it so that you can see yourself in that car. You know, actually, it would be much more practical to get a schematic of the car and look at it and have all of the features listed and go at it that way. That would be more logical. But that's not the way they sell cars. And if you look at these commercials, man, they'll show a car and they'll, they'll have a sexy lady in it and they'll talk about it and this is a sexy car. And I forget, they, I just saw a commercial not long ago and it was... It was something like that. They were saying that this is the sexiest car that ever was or something. And I was thinking, what makes a car sexy? <laughs> but they're trying to draw you in and entice, and they're, they're, let, they're giving you feelings and emotions and seeing things. You know what all that is? They're playing on your imagination. They're trying to get you to picture this. You know, when they sell beer, they don't ever show you the drunk laying in the gutter that's puked all over himself. <laughs> They'll show you the horses that have been running through the snow and they'll show you all of this stuff and they'll have one frog go, bud, wiser. And they do these things that make you laugh. And you know what? They start making you see positive things associated with their product. And you, whether you know it or not, it's all imagination. You associate positive, good things with their product. If they showed you every drunk Every home that has been destroyed, if they showed you every person that has died of cirrhosis of the liver, and if you had that image there, you know what? You wouldn't drink it. Whether you know it or not, your imagination is dictating how your life goes. And if you aren't aware of what I'm talking about and don't think that this is important, all that means is that you aren't controlling your imagination. It's being manipulated and controlled for you and you will see the negative. You will focus on all of these things. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. Did you know that that same word right there is related to imagination if you compare it with the other ways it was translated? That's talking about your imagination. The way you see things in your imagination is the way that your life is going. And I'm going to say something right here that may not bless some of you, but it's the truth. It's intended to help you. But you know what? If your life isn't going good, if things are a mess, it's because you conceived it in your imagination. Your imagination, it's like ground. Did you know that you, ground doesn't matter what you plant in it. The moment you put a seed in that ground, it's going to start producing. It says this over in Mark chapter 4 that the earth brings forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. God made dirt so that if you put a seed in it, it just makes that seed start growing. And it doesn't matter what seed it is. You could plant corn, you could plant peas, you could plant okra. It doesn't care what seed it is. It just starts releasing all of these nutrients and it makes it start growing. It's the same thing with your heart and with your imagination. Your imagination will just conceive and start making things come to pass, whether it's positive or negative. The imagination isn't moral or immoral. 
It just depends on what you program it with, what you put it on, what your thoughts are that focus and form these images. The only thing you get to do, you can't turn your imagination off and keep it from working. The only thing you can do is choose whether it's positive imagination, hope, or whether it's a negative imagination that is going to cause you all kinds of problems and be a self-fulfilling prophecy that you don't want. So you can't make it not happen. You just get to choose about whether you're going to make it a positive imagination or whether you're going to make it a negative one. And I tell you, this is, this is powerful. And when you get, I've got some other scriptures. I'll be going through a lot of these scriptures. But did you know that peace comes through your imagination? I've already used that verse in Isaiah 26, 3. The Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind, that's the exact same word that was translated imagination, whose imagination is stayed upon him. Your imagination is what causes peace in your life. It's what gives you satisfaction. It's what causes mercy to abound in your life. And there, I'll use some scriptures where it says that the Lord uh, has mercy on you according to your hope. If you don't have hope, if you aren't seeing something positive, you shut down the power of God in your life. You can keep God from operating in your life once you lose hope, once you lose a positive imagination. Again, your faith only produces what hope has already pictured. So, man, these are important things that we're talking about. And I tell you, you've got to understand the power of your imagination. This is, this is really our spiritual womb. And this is where you have to conceive everything. And most of us don't spend a lot of time just sitting down and dreaming and letting God show us things. We get caught up just managing daily things. And I tell you, you can get to where that just kills your creativeness. You don't have time to do any of this. You know, every time that I take a week off or something like that, I never take a week off and I mean where I'm off. Sometimes I take a week off and I'm not off. But I'm talking about if I get really by myself and just meditate and Seek the Lord. I never take that much time off without God showing me something. And I conceive something and I see something. And my imagination just begins to start conceiving things. But busyness will hinder you. I think that's why the Lord said, be still and know that I am God. You need to be still. And praise God, you've taken this week and you've come here. I want to encourage you. I know that, you know, you've got things back at your church or ministry and you've got all kinds of things that make demands on your life. But the busyness and keeping your mind stayed on these other things could hinder you from receiving. You know, if your church can't go four days without you, then they need to be without you. I'm not saying that you, you know, be irresponsible, but at least, you know, turn your phone off or something and, and make an effort to spend some time and just let the Word of God begin to start saturating and let it start speaking to you. And I believe that if you would do that, if you'd dedicate just these four or five days to the Lord, it could make a tremendous difference in your life, the things that you're seeing. But this is really important. And I believe that this is what God's led me to share on. And so I've laid a foundation for it. I believe that hope is just a positive imagination. It's the second greatest thing in the Christian life beyond charity and then hope and then faith. 
And as we talk about what hope does, I believe that this could spring, uh, it could uh, conceive some things in your life that, man, could get you going in a direction that could make a huge, huge difference in your life. Amen? But you need to let this process work. It won't work without your consent. You have to seek it. You have to understand what's going on. And also, I could spend a lot of time, I'll just mention this quickly, but but you have to shut off all of the negative imagination and the negative things that are grabbing us. And during this political season, I tell you, you're hearing so many negative things and they're painting the worst possible picture that they possibly can. They're telling you that, man, you're going to go to hell in a handbasket if this other person's elected. And I pretty much agree with that. But you don't need to have a vision of that, amen? You need, to, you need to see yourself. Like what Pastor Bob Yandian was saying, you need to see that God's not through with this nation. You need to see that, you know, Paul lived under a worse political system than we live under, and it didn't stop him from believing and believing for big things. I mean, what we have makes Paul's situation... It's just amazing how much better we are. At our worst, we're better than that was. And yet, look how he prospered. So you you can prosper. You can keep your mind stayed on the Lord, regardless of what's going on. And, And if you aren't careful, if you listen to all of these talk shows, I guarantee you, you'll become one negative person. They are super negative. Even though I agree with a lot of the stuff they say, it's just negative. You can't sit there and meditate on all of the junk that's going on in the world and stay positive. It says in Matthew 24, 12, that Jesus said that in the last days that the love of many will wax cold because iniquity shall abound. And we're living in those days. Iniquity is abounding. And if you aren't careful, your love will wax cold and your vision, your imagination will become negative just looking at all of the things. Luke 21, 26 says, Men's hearts failing them for fear, looking after all of the things that are going to come to pass on this earth. And so we need to refine ourselves. That's the reason that the Word of God is so powerful. Because God's Word will focus you on what He wants to do. It will paint a picture. You can go back and find people like Paul that lived in a system ten times worse than ours and he just prospered, turned the world right side up. And you know what? It'll help you to see things differently. You'll look at things differently. You'll see about the Hebrew children that went through the fire without any smoke, any smell of smoke, no fire. And you'll think, man, if they did that, I can do it. And you know what? It helps your imagination. It helps you to see things differently. Boy, this is so positive. And we have to stay in God's Word and let God's Word dominate us. Or I guarantee you the unbelief of this world will extinguish your imagination. It'll make it become vain. So I believe that God is going to still instill an imagination, or you've already got it, but instill a positive imagination, a hope in you that will make a difference. And you'll leave this place believing and looking for different results than when you came in. Amen? So Father, I pray over all of these people. And we just thank you, Father, for these things I've talked about tonight. I believe that this is laying a foundation that we can begin to start talking about hope and the power that hope has And Father, I pray for any person in here who's been hopeless and has been just looking at the natural realm and the negative things that have gone on in their life. Father, I pray that during this week you help them to change their focus. 
to change the way that they're looking, to start seeing with their heart and seeing the positive things that you have for them. Father, I believe that people's imagination is going to just come alive this week in a positive way. Hope will start motivating them and driving them, Father, towards you and what you have for them. Thank you, Jesus.